Hi, and welcome to the Parenting in the Middle podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Goodman. I'm a certified life coach and a mom to four teenagers. Do you ever wonder if you're doing this whole mom thing right? Are you pushing too hard or not enough? What does it look like to love your teens, yet keep firm boundaries? Would you love to get your kids to listen without yelling and feeling frustrated first? Here in this podcast, you will find coaching and communication strategies to help you tackle all of your hardest parenting struggles. These strategies will help you parent with more confidence, peace, and influence. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Goodman, and on today's episode, we are going to talk about our emotions, our kids' emotions, how to help them process emotions. One of the most asked questions that I get on Instagram in my DMs or emailed to me or that I talk through with my one-on-one clients are how to recognize if your kids are bottling up emotions or if you suspect that they are and they're not really sharing a lot with you, what are you supposed to do? And just when our kids are, you know, they're acting differently, And we may think that they are bottling up their emotions. That thought right there can bring up so much anxiety in us as their parent. And so that's why I think this topic is important to address. And I wanted to create a podcast episode on this topic. So there are many ways that children behave. And so the tricky part is noticing what your child is doing, and if it's different than what they used to be doing, or if this is their typical behavior. Are they having a hard time sleeping? Are they more irritable than normal? Do they have a lot of stomach aches or headaches? It can be hard to know because some of these things are completely normal symptoms of being a teenager, human being, and sometimes it can be a sign of something else going on. And so that is why my main goal always is for you to create a safe space for your child to share their emotions. And so if you are noticing, and I love the word notice because it goes in perfectly to what I'm going to tell you to do. If you are noticing that your teenager, your child is acting differently, or they look withdrawn, they look sad, they, I don't know, just anything, right? I want you to start and just notice what's going on. And then when the time is right and you feel calm, your child is calm, and it's a a good time to have a conversation, you can start by saying, hey, honey, I noticed that you've been a little withdrawn lately. What's going on? Do you want to talk about it? And you can bring up the topic like that. It doesn't feel aggressive when you when you ask that kind of a question it doesn't feel combative and it will hopefully help them not get on the defensive because that's what we don't want we don't want them to be on the defensive we want them to feel safe and open to talk to us so remember that phrase i notice that i've noticed that i'm noticing that and then bring it up when you feel calm and hopefully they will respond to you. They will talk to you and it might take some time and they might say, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything's fine. And if that's the case, which maybe, then that is your cue to back off and go do something else 
not continue talking to them about it anymore, which as a parent, that is for sure my hardest thing to do. Because if I do notice something off and I feel like I'm right, then I want to fix it. And I want to go into that fixing and judgment mode and just take care of it. I want to talk about it and I want to fix it. But that right there is what not to do. As many times as I've tried to do that, it's never worked. It's never been something that I've read about working or it's not any advice that I've ever received. So as tempting as it is to want to go in and fix it, it doesn't work. So I'm noticing that and then just bring it up and see where the conversation goes and know when you need to back off and when to just listen. And that's when your listening skills need to just up level a little bit so that instead of talking your child out of their feelings, even if it's irrational, you're really listening and honoring, validating, showing empathy, acknowledge something you notice in a way that leaves your child feeling curious, not defensive. And so one of the words that you can use that's tempting and notice if this is a habit for you is the word why. We like to start our sentences with the word why. Why are you always in your room? Why do you never get your homework done? And whenever you use that word why, it immediately will put your child on the defense and they will, you'll be caught in that power struggle. They will feel defensive. You will feel frustrated. So avoid using the word why. And remember, even by just opening the door to this simple question of, I'm noticing that, is everything okay? You are helping your child. I can't remember who I heard it from. I will look up the name of the author, but she says, help your child just enough. And I really loved that because it takes a lot of the pressure off of us as parents to fix things, to make our kids feel better. And I think in doing this, where we're opening up this conversation, we're creating a safe space for them to talk to us, we are helping our kids just enough. They might not be, you know, quote unquote, fixed, like we're not going to fix the situation, but we're helping them just enough. So if you can think about when you've needed help opening a jar of something and it just isn't opening up and it's totally stuck and then you give it to someone you're like hey can you help me open this and then all of a sudden it's just like just enough that it unloosens it loosens up so sometimes we just need that little extra help to help loosen something up and by acknowledging your child's experience by creating some curiosity in them by being curious yourself not going into fixing and judgment mode you really are helping them just enough. So eventually they will feel safe with you, they will talk to you, they will tell you how they're feeling and their feelings don't have to be scary for you, they don't have to be scary for them either. And because I help parents like you, I want you to notice when you like to feel needed. Sometimes we get caught into this space of like, we're the parent, we're the mom, we want to fix and help our kids. And we do it out of love because we are caring and we love our kids for sure. But 
often what will happen is we will make our kids' problems about us and we will feel like it's our responsibility to fix it. Or we will feel like in order for us to earn our space on this earth and be a good mom, we need to be of use to others. So we need to help others and fix their problems and be needed in order for us to have a purpose on this earth. And that can cause you to get into that fixing and judgment mode quicker because you want to be there. That can prevent you from being able to step back and let your child go through the necessary lessons that they will need to learn so that they can be stronger. So let's talk about some real life struggles that our teens face today. There was a study done by Pew Research Center and they surveyed youth ages 13 to 17 and they came across the three main struggles of adolescence. And those three main struggles were anxiety and depression, bullying, and drug and alcohol abuse and use. So let's talk about these actual struggles in kind of some factual ways of like how we can not go into that fixing and judgment mode, but be more influential in helping our kids so that they know what to do when they have a friend who struggles with something or they themselves are struggling with something. And maybe it's one of these three things, maybe it's something else, but a lot of factors can come into play here. So depending on how well they're doing in school, that can cause some anxiety and depression. Friendships and things like that can start to change and shift and make it hard for our teens. And then there's the peer pressure that they feel to try new things and be more fun and their brains aren't developed yet. So they may make decisions that they wouldn't normally make because they're around a group of people and they're feeling pressured. I listened to someone talk about how when your teenager is looking at social media and they see videos that get a lot of likes and views, it turns off the part of their brain that this person called the be careful part of their brain, the part that tells you, okay, that's probably not a good idea, don't do that. When they watch a video that gets a lot of likes and views, they can make riskier decisions. Um, they can partake in riskier behavior because this part of their brain has been turned off and it's not thinking about their safety. It's thinking about this is so fun and they're getting all of this attention and that's so cool and I want to be part of that. I want to have all of this attention on me too. So many things are factored in to this. And so how can we as parents help our kids navigate this age through adolescence in a way that helps them be safe and make smarter decisions, feel better, know how to get help when they need it. I know that I often think if I would have only known all of this information when my kids were younger, how much better of a parent I would be. I had my oldest when I was 23. I was still figuring out life myself. I was very much influenced by the people around me and feeling like I needed to look a certain way and show up a certain way. And that created some anxiety in me. So the first 
few years of my parenting experience were really based on doing things the right way and kind of anxiety driven. And so I often think about if I could only go back with the knowledge that I have now, how much better of a parent I would be. I mean, gosh, I've been a parent almost, well, like 19 and a half years now. So of course I'm going to be more mature in my role as a parent. So we all start somewhere, and whether you started young or if you started later on in your life, we all have learning and growing to do. It's hard for everyone, but that is something that comes up for me where I think, oh my gosh, if I would have only known, and then I feel like it's too late. I missed those years where I could have really taught them those skills of honoring their emotions, how to process the emotions. And I know I did to a certain extent, but I know I'm not also the only one who thinks that, you know, wishes they could go back and do some things different too. Wherever you are at in your parenting journey, know that structure is really important. So check in with yourself and with your family life, your home life, and think about how much structure you have in place. And this isn't to say that structure for your family is going to look the same as someone else's family. I am not the most rigid, structured, organized person. It just doesn't work for my personality. But I do have certain things that I value and find important. And so am I putting those things in my day, structuring my time so that I can be intentional when I'm with my kids? And am I holding them to certain expectations so that they know what I expect and I'm not like wishy-washy, like today it's fine to do that and tomorrow, no, you can't. And am I like reacting based on how I'm feeling that day or am I reacting because this is my value system and this is what I want to be? So when I talk about structure, you know, if your kids are younger, it's a lot easier to have that structure. I loved that structure when my kids were younger and it was like they had their TV time and then it was lunch or we'd go swimming and then it was preschool. And then when they were off to school, we had like homework time and then dinner time and then bedtime. Everything was like really structured. And it's a lot easier to do that the younger your kids are. And so if your kids are older, that structure is going to look different. And so just kind of check in with yourself on where you could be a little more structured check in with your kids, hold them accountable a little bit more, um, and not in a way that's like really controlling and forceful, but like have a conversation so that they know your expectations and then be consistent and make sure those expectations are met. And that's an ongoing process. So check in with yourself of where you are with this structure because the older your kids get, the looser the structure is going to be. I was talking to someone about, I had some people over at my house and things needed to be cleaned up. And they were like, so do you have like a dish day for your kids? And it was funny because I had just had this conversation with one of my coaching clients where they were feeling a little stressed because they didn't have certain days for the dishes and dishes weren't getting done, chores weren't getting done. And so I was thinking about that in the way that I've handled it with, with my family. And I think we do have this rigid idea of like, wouldn't it be lovely if everyone had a dish day 
and the dishes got done and everyone just knew and you just started out with your kids knowing what they needed to do every single day and they just did what they were supposed to do. Everyone had their day for dishes and it just got done. Some of you listening may have that handled and that's awesome. Now where we have landed is like, I was like, no, they don't have a dish day. My kids' schedule's different and I just, whoever is home and available to help, I just say, hey, you need to take out the garbage. Can you wipe off the counters? Can you put the food away? And to some people that would just seem like too um, not structured, but for us, it works. And so whoever's home is going to help in the things that we need. Sometimes they're doing homework. And so I just do it because I'm available. I don't think that's a problem at all. And I don't think that I'm not teaching them how to work. I know that they're going to be out on their own. And if it is more of a struggle for them in learning, I completely trust that they're capable of learning. And if they're like, mom, I really wish you would have made me do the dishes more when we were younger, they might say that. And that's just life, right? Like we all wish certain things would have happened that would have made it easier for us now. Like I just don't attach a lot of drama to the decisions I make. So I'm completely fine with where we're at with that. There were some days that I would make dinner and we'd have a really big meal. And if it's like, if I had an assigned dish day, that person would get like the short end of the stick. It would be like, well, sorry, you get this big load of dishes. And then tomorrow when I'm not making dinner, they're going to get off the hook or like they're at their sports game. It just did not work to assign them each a dish day. And I wasn't organized enough to like plan it out ahead of time because there are ways to make it work. But I'm just giving you permission to make it work for you by telling you that I don't have this completely structured and it works fine. We manage fine. Um, But structure is important and it's important for our kids to have that structure to have expectations. And so I do have expectations and I have to make sure that those things are met consistently, if that makes sense. The older your kids get, the schedules change, different things come up, you've got to loosen up and not be quite so rigid with the structure. With that said, you can bring it back to your values. What are the values in your home and what are your expectations? I think this builds up a good foundation for your family and your parenting so that when you do need to address certain issues with your kids, you've got this foundation set. So then you don't spiral into everything's going wrong. It's so out of control. That's what I want you to avoid. So we do need structure. We need to have expectations and build that foundation so that our kids know what they are. Something else that's really important with our kids, especially as they get older, is to talk about the why you have the rules that you have. So in the beginning of this episode, I'm like, avoid saying the word why, like, why are you doing that? This is different. This is explaining the why you have the rules that you have. Why is it important? And The reason why I love talking about the why so much, even with my kids and having these open conversations, is because I think it respects their intelligence. Our teenagers think they know everything, right? And they want to feel like 
we respect what they know. And if we're honest, probably some of them know more than we do, or for sure what we knew when we were their age. We want to respect that and, and trust that they are smart enough to figure it out. And that will help keep you from just always stepping in and fixing because you know that they are capable and you're practicing thinking that they are capable, trusting that they can figure it out, that they will be okay. But our teenagers do need the knowledge. They need to understand the reasons why behind the rules we have. So talk about the science behind the brain. There is a doctor, Dr. Lawrence Steinberg, and he's really good about talking about the science of at the adolescent brain and he's studied it and he knows that teenagers make riskier decisions and participate in riskier behavior the bigger the group is or like I said like the more likes and uh, views a video gets they're not going to make the same decisions they would make if they were by themselves their self-control is limited and that has been studied, that science that's based on facts, like our teenagers can be trusted with that knowledge and you're not giving them permission to participate in it. But I do think there is value in putting that decision on your teenager so that they don't make those decisions in spite of you, right? Like they feel so out of control and like, or controlled themselves that they want to engage in this behavior because this is the only place that they feel like they have any autonomy or control. You can totally put this decision on them and like ask them, what do you think about this? What have you seen with your friends about this? Have you participated in this? And you're kind of creating this neutral space where it's like, I mean, that's a tough question to ask your teenager if they have experimented or done things and you're asking them if they have, if they say yes, or even if they don't feel comfortable and they'll be like, no, and they might lie, it's still an uncomfortable conversation. It's hard to hear. And so sometimes we don't want to know and we won't ask because we really don't want to know. So just notice those things that come up. But Dr. Lauren Steinberg has said that these formative years, I think it was like before 15 years old. So before 15 years old, if your child starts experimenting with drugs and alcohol, the probability of them developing an addiction is like so much greater if they start doing those things the earlier, the, the younger that they, that they are. And that's good to know. That's good information to know so that you can empower your children with that knowledge so that they can make the choice to say no and know the reason why. And it's not because it's bad and they need to obey and be perfectly obedient. It's because no science shows you could have, you know, do you want to be addicted? Look at the people that you know who have gotten addicted to drugs and alcohol. What is their life like? And is that what you want for yourself? And you can have these hard conversations based on these facts instead of based in fear. And something that Dr. Steinberg said too that is important to note is he was very 
distinct in saying if your child had tried it once, it wasn't the end of the world. It's not about if you just try something, then you're going to be an addict later in life. It was just the more that you participate in drinking, doing drugs, the younger you are, the more likelihood you will be addicted. And that is good information to know. And it's good to know because as a parent, if your child is showing signs of a lot of drug and alcohol use, it's absolutely your responsibility to step in and figure out what to do about it because it has the potential to lead down a really destructive path. And you can do that in a way that's not fear-based. It doesn't have to create a lot of drama, even though I'm sure it will. But if you can maintain your own self-control, know that your child is doing the best that they can and they have gotten themselves in situations that now they cannot get themselves out of without some help, you're there to help them. It'll help you kind of stay in this less dramatic place that just wants to freak out and think it's the end of the world, which is only going to create more pressure and you know more shame in your child. So to avoid that, because what you want is to create change and to know that people have gotten down some pretty destructive paths and made it out okay and trust that your child can do that also and then be that person that can help them. We've touched on a lot in this podcast, I feel like, but the last thing that I will say is study self-regulation because when you can regulate your own self, you're managing your own emotions, you will be able to help your kids practice that self-regulation. And I'll do another podcast on this because this is a huge topic we can go down, but this is just something for you if you want to do more research on it. Study self-regulation and co-regulation because when you're regulated emotionally, you really can help your child regulate their emotions and they're going to need you. So it's called co-regulation where you're helping your child regulate their emotions by being that calm, centered parent and they feel safe with you. When they feel safe with you, they will talk with you more. They will feel less shame, less guilt, which will create a better relationship between the two of you. And the hope is that it will ultimately empower them to make better decisions for themselves. If you are new to this podcast and wondering where you even start with having these conversations, if you feel like I, you are just like, you can't even manage your own emotions and things are off the rails, I promise you, you're not alone. We're all in this together. We're all navigating the teenager stage together and we've all been there, right? If you're a parent of a teen, you know. I like to say that the only perfect parent is the person who doesn't have kids and I think that's totally true. So you're in a safe space here. There is a link in my show notes where you can download my guide to avoid a power struggle. I offer you three ways that you can do that and ways to start practicing that self-regulation so that you can see the good in your teen and start connecting with them. If you want more one-on-one help, there is another link that you can click on where you can schedule an appointment with me and we can have a chat and talk through some of these trickier situations that you may be having with 
your teenager. All right, have a wonderful weekend. I hope your December is not too crazy busy and that you were able to enjoy your family, enjoy the time that you have with them and these make some special memories together. Have a great weekend, everyone.